Hello and welcome to the anniversary special of a need to read. I've been doing a need to read for a year now since my first episode and loads of things have changed about me, about my life and I firstly just want to thank everyone that has ever listened to an episode or that is listening to this episode now because you have encouraged me to read more, you have allowed me to remember more of what I'm reading through talking about it on a podcast and this podcast has enabled me to make friends that I never thought I'd make friends with and it has just been a hell of a year. So thank you so much for giving me a platform, you're all absolute legends. This episode I'm actually recording the intro before I speak to this person because I don't know what's going to come up but I know that it's going to be good and I trust that the conversation will go to all the good places. It's with my very good friend Giles Crisp. We've been friends for about 10 years and like in many friendships we've had our ups and downs but mostly now it is a very good friendship based on honesty and vulnerability and he is one of my best friends so I'm very excited to have him on. When I first started reading he gave me loads of books to read and it's just encouraged me all the way through. Weirdly, he has no idea about Instagram, has no idea about podcasts. Um, he doesn't even listen to a need to read. He says, why would you want to do that if he can listen to Tim Ferriss? Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to change his mind today when I chat to him. But before we get into the episode, let's just talk about the sponsors very quickly. The podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and I'm forever grateful for the fact that they are because it means I've been able to point hundreds of people towards going to therapy and that is an honour. BetterHelp provide an online therapy service through a secure system where you get to be put in touch with the therapist in 48 hours from when you make the inquiry and then from there you get discounted therapy for your first month as a need to read listener and you just get a therapy session a week. If something comes up for you, you can text your therapist, let them know that you want to speak about it in the next session. And it's just a really nice way to communicate with someone. And if you're not comfortable doing it over video, you can do it over the phone, or I've even had people that have signed up who just do it over email because that's what they're more comfortable doing. There are loads of options and there'll be a specialist to suit whatever your needs are. All you need to do is head to betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read put in your details, put in the answers to a questionnaire where you just have to honestly say what you feel and you'll be put in touch with someone, which is fantastic. And I would almost go as far as saying revolutionary. So 10% off, it's betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read and that's 10% off your first month. But I'm just going to get straight into this conversation with Giles. He's almost here and I'm very much looking forward to it. Right, well... Here we are, Giles. We're rocking and we're rolling. It's my one-year anniversary. Happy As anniversary, babe. Hey, you don't interrupt me on this show. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, welcome, mate. I actually can't think of anything or anyone better to have as my one-year anniversary gift to the world. I'm honoured. It's uh, It's been a wild year, I think, for both of us. Absolutely. So, I'm curious, though, why I'm starting off with a question. Why me? <laughs> Giles loves questions, by the way, everyone. Yes, um, I do. Which makes him a great, a great guest. guest. We finish each other's sentences. <laughs> Why you? When I first started reading, mm-hmm. remember, I told you I was like, "Oh, mate, I'm just getting into like reading. I like I like books." And you sent me a list of like fifty books, like including loads, of, a load of classics. <laughs> 
um and you've always like you've read a lot like even when we were like 20 you were yeah. reading loads I, I go through peaks and drops of it definitely but i'd say i've been reading probably since i was 16 maybe it's when most people it's when i stopped yeah fair i feel like i stopped a lot earlier than that maybe when i was like seven or eight i was pretty like now nah, reading's not cool but i feel like when i was like 16 some of the people that i kind of like idolized or you know what i was interested in let's say like jim morrison for example yeah he was an avid reader and i used to think ah oh, i want to be cool like him so and, i'm gonna read loads of books and who's he jim morrison from the doors <laughs> or like you know how i used to love the libertines for example yeah. and like pete doherty um a lot of the songs that they write are about books like lovers on the doll that's a song by them and it's about the book lovers on the doll by walter greenfield and i was like okay i like pete doherty i like this song i'm gonna read this book or um, they wrote a song called Narcissist, and it's about a picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. I don't, have you read that? I haven't, but it's not actually very good. But I ended up reading it because I was like, ah, oh, this is what my like it, you know, idols or musical heroes are reading. This is what I'm yeah. reading. So that was kind of, I think, how I got into reading. I'd say that makes so much sense. You've moved the microphone just a little bit closer to you if you could. Um, Fist the, away. Yeah, you don't need to talk. It's it's all right. Um, that is good answer I, so you, all of your musical idols you were just like right well they're reading this that's what I want to read I want to be like them you know Pete Doherty grew up near us he yeah, went to school did. in Blantford where yeah, I went did. to school I did know that actually I've, funny enough I've read his mum's book as well which yeah. is a bit weird that's the thing when you get famous your mum can just write a book about you well her book is about like it's called Pete Doherty my something son and it's about like the I don't know the damage that he's caused like in loads of people's lives and the difficulty of having a son who's obviously like a drug addict who's ill um, yeah. like in the newspapers every single day and the difficulty of it it's quite interesting to be fair yeah. and she said that after she'd written it she had loads of other mums who were like or you know parents who had drug addict kids like saying to her oh this is really helpful for me like really yeah I feel That's like it's, it. it's a relatively interesting book I yeah. probably wouldn't I'm actually. I feel like if I had to choose a top ten, I definitely wouldn't put it in there. But that's like, it. You don't if, need to. You don't need to choose your top ten just <laughs> yet. Don't worry about it. Like there'll be people listening if they're into music, if they're into Pete Doherty, they'll know. Yeah, so but you I'm don't... not really into that anymore. Well, no. him anymore. I'd say. Right. I definitely was when I was 16. Yeah. So people have already got a good understanding of who you are in terms of that you like music. But what else is it that you do, Giles? So people that don't know you, I obviously know you. I know what you do. What do I do? You are, <laughs> you work for a software sales company. You're a tech, a tech director. Uh, so, well, yeah, I lead the channel and partnerships for a software company in EMEA, which is Europe. All right. Which is quite mad, really. That is quite mad. And it is very mad. Like, sometimes I get on calls and people are like, you're the youngest, like, channel leader I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, yeah. That is so decent. Yeah, it's very weird. Like, I'm, I'm in a little bit too deep, but it's good experience. Like, I don't know, good money. How, how have you found it from like going into that point where you're in too deep in a proper job? Have you found it's been more encouraging or a bit disheartening? The thing about like working for startups, I'd say, is um, so I report to this guy who's a VP of channel. So my boss mm. is in New York. So he's five hours behind me. Um, which has been a bit difficult because sometimes I'm at work and I'm like, what am I meant to be doing right now? And I'm like, oh, I want to call my boss, but he's obviously incredibly busy. Like He reports directly to the board. Mm. Um, 
But I just feel like I've been winging it really and breaking stuff along the way. But that that's one of the things that I love about working for, like I've been working for this startup for about two years now. I joined when it was like 80 employees. We're now about 200. Um, yeah, nice. But one of the great, like really good things about it is that you just get to experience like a lot more than you would working for like a big multinational corporation, I'd say. Yeah. And they, I, you give, they give you a lot more freedom to, you know, break things and try things, I'd say. Wear pyjamas to work and shit like that. I, I wear my, well, when I was in the office, I used to wear my slippers every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Because I remember when you were at uni, you used to like, you were going, you did your placement of what, like Hewlett Packard, I'm going to yeah. be a corporate, you basically... Fuck that for a laugh. <laughs> Never, ever again am I ever going to wear a, a shirt and a tie ever again. Playing like five-a-side football with the lads on a Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bit of me now. <laughs> Same as you though, really. Like, Yeah. I don't know, have you told the audience your story before about you working um, for that sales company, like health insurance company? Mm. You've told the story before. Yeah, yeah. well, like I, I thought about it quite a lot recently because I was like, I wanted more than anything to be a sales manager. And I was like in the, you know, we're going to talk about probably the almanac of no hour avocado. He's like, basically yeah. figure out what you want to do. Don't push hard at something until you figured it out. And I was just pushing hard at something I really didn't enjoy mm. with like the hope and the promise of that it will get better at that next level. Yeah, and I think a lot of people do that in the corporate world. They're like, they reach a certain point they're like right well i need to work really really hard to get this promotion so that i can then be happy in that promotion or i can then like be feel good about myself or, or feel worthy of like a job title because somebody some some a person who's literally just a person mm. by the way which is the mad thing about corporate structures is like someone above you is almost as if they're like actually above you in life when no one's above anyone else everyone's like equal yeah definitely they just tell you that you're worth this amount because you've just like sucked your way to the top basically because that's kind of what you have to do yeah i don't know i, I feel like it depends on the it definitely depends on the culture of the company like mm. i've worked i'd say this is a job the first job i've had in my life so i'm 26 years old i've been working here for two years it's the first job i've had where i actually enjoy it mm. like i like the people i work with it's a pretty good culture. It's like very flat organizationally. Um, yeah. Like I was saying to you, I can wear whatever I want. You know, I get unlimited holiday. It's, it's Silicon pretty, Valley. Yeah, it's some Silicon Valley madness. Like I've got to travel with it. I've got to go to, you know, New York, San Francisco, Miami. Like it's it's pretty, It's I've had some pretty mad experiences with it, definitely. But yeah. I do think based on what you've just said there, like recently in lockdown, I'd say I have, had moments where i'm like is this really what i want to be doing for the rest of my life yeah it's just for me at this moment in time it's almost hard to walk away from it because the money's quite good yeah I, I almost want to wait until we get bought by someone because i've got like equity in the company which is something that naval ravikant talks about yeah like having ownership of something is a good way to get rich yeah and also <laughs> like people have this forever idea that's like like your life has changed so much in two years since you joined this company, but you're thinking in your head like, oh, do I want to do this forever? When really you, you don't need to have forever as the the thing that you think of. You're like, right, how's this going to suit me for the next six months? Okay, it's actually going to suit me like quite nicely. And yeah. When definitely. you work out your goals, I don't think people should have like these forever goals of where they want to be. Like when they're 60, it's like, right, where do I want to be in five years time? Is this job going to serve me for six months? Yeah, I definitely agree. And I often, I know me and you kind of think the same about this. Like I often pause and I'm like, I'm 26 years old. I've got my mm. entire life ahead of me. Yeah. Like, 
you know, I could be doing this for the next two years and then, well, I probably won't even be doing it for two years. Like when the world opens up again, I definitely would like to go traveling. Yeah. Have a kind of similar experience to what you did, I guess. Yeah, and basically just become <laughs> some woke warrior who just loves books. Maybe you should start a book club. I've, I've, always, been a, I've always been a bit of a woke warrior myself. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have. This is like, <clears throat> this is where it goes to show like the difference between me now to me, like when you first went away to uni. Because I remember when you put like a picture on Instagram, it was you and like sam gibney maybe shout out sam gibney um, <laughs> what, an anti-racism protest yeah i remember that and i was like what are you doing going to a protest and now i'm literally like mate i want to go so like i just, i want to protest because i care about these things whereas before like as much as i thought racism was wholly bad i didn't care enough to like go and protest or like call it out if i heard it or something and i think it's obviously it's like the the progress that i feel i've made as a person i always use you as like you're a good gauge for me in terms of like how far I've come as a person. Mate, you've come very, very <laughs> far as a person. Like it's it's amazing to see. Like, I'm very happy. Thanks, I'm proud. I'm proud of you, bro. Oh, thanks, man. You've That's... done very well. Like you're. I feel you're very deserving of it as well. And you've been yeah. for an, an interesting journey. Yeah, I obviously feel undeserving because that's what people do. Um, but I also feel like I have like put in the work. Yeah, I, I made mate. a choice at one point and I was like, my life is not looking the way that I want it to and I need to change it. And obviously that, that's probably around what, the time that I asked you. What do you think the single big, biggest thing you've done to change it? Obviously I'm going to say reading books. Yeah, fair. Podcast. <laughs> but but all, of, all of the things that I do has come from reading books. Like I always say like a book is essentially a super super smart mentor that you just don't get to ask specific questions to wait wait everything that you've done is from reading books i'd say the majority of it what's so even playing ukulele i think it comes from a point of like i would have read something about doing things for enjoyment and got that attitude from a book which has then encouraged me to pick up a ukulele oh, so it wasn't you watching me play the ukulele <laughs> i want a part of that yeah probably but let's think I'm joking. Would, would we have been hanging out so much if i hadn't started reading books like we we were good mates before but not to the level that we are now with the person that i am now i know? don't think it's just reading books though like yeah. i'd say our relationship probably got better around like 18 months ago mm. um which is around the time you probably started going to therapy isn't it yeah um like you started going to therapy i feel like i was in a bit of a bad place with my life as well we were talking about this like a fair amount. After mm. a few months, I was like, I'm going to give therapy a go as well. Yeah. Um, and it was like something that we bonded over, I'd say. Yeah. Um, or so, like a mutual thing that we could discuss or talk about. Yeah. I think it does like the levels of friendship become so much deeper when you actually have that like vulnerability factor of being like, I'm like, hey, Giles, how's your mental health? And you're like, oh, well, yeah, this is it. This is it at the moment. You ask me and I'm like, yeah, this is how it's been. This is what I'm struggling with. Like, we have that relationship where like i'm not embarrassed to tell you anything you're not embarrassed to tell me yeah anything. absolutely i don't think a lot of guys have that nah. especially not blokes i think even like women well, like what who cares about the like gender side of it no but, but i would agree with you i feel it's like mostly it's, blokes yeah i feel like it's that. a lot harder for well probably for men to like talk about their feelings but i'd say where me and you have both i've been having therapy now for core almost a year and a half mm. um which has been completely life-changing. Same as you, like, what's your headspace run streak at the moment? 
probably like 340 something wow yeah i'm on over 300 days in a row now <laughs> but i do, do you know what i mean like we've both gone for a similar journey of like i'm journaling every day i'm meditating every day i'm having therapy once a week yeah kind of we've gone on a very similar journey i'd say yeah which has you know brought us closer together yeah it has oh. man it's just a deeper level bruh Cute. um it is one of those things like when meditating journaling reading is like just the three staple things I think that people can do that will make their lives better because there's endless knowledge that you can get from books. There's new attitude. There's new outlooks that you can adopt from books. Meditating, like you essentially get to know yourself when mm. you meditate and the same when you journal, like you get to write down what you think and then assess if you actually really think that. Yeah, definitely. I find like journaling as well helps you get things off your mind. Like. The other thing I would just say about meditation is I feel as if when I speak to some people about it, mm. they're like, oh, I tried meditating for a week and nothing really happened. And I feel it's one of them things where you really have to stick at it for, mm. I'll probably say at least 90 days until you really see any difference. And like, the biggest thing for me is now, I used to be constantly lost in like thought or feeling and I'd, I identify with them. So if yeah. I was thinking something, I'd be like, these are, you know, this is who I am. Whereas yeah. now, I've detached from it and I'd be like, oh, I'm thinking or I'm feeling. Mm. I'm not just lost in my own thought. Like, I was quite a neurotic guy, I'd say. Um, yeah. Whereas now, like I was saying to you, I just label it as thinking or feeling and just yeah. come back to like my present moment, I guess. When when you said that you were a neurotic, like what was the thing that you were most neurotic about? Like in your daily life, would you wake up anxious? Um no well i went through periods of waking up anxious i'd say when i was like 18 one well, actually probably a bit younger than 18 maybe like 17 18 yeah um but i wouldn't wake up anxious i feel like i was just neurotic about for me you you know my journey like yeah. in great detail anyway but i just i went through some like quite traumatic events yeah. um to do with like my my family etc yeah um I feel like I'll give some more context to this. Like, I, my dad was arrested, um, yeah. and I've got no relationship with any with with him anymore. So I've not spoken to him for years. Yeah, um, and I've got younger siblings who are, you know, one seven, one thirteen. They're never going to have a relationship with him anymore, which is obviously, you know, upsetting. Yeah, um, I've just I've got quite a a messed up family to put it. Yeah, well, I think like you'll you'll find that there are a lot of people out there that would label their family the same as yours. And yeah, that, definitely. that from me, by the way, that wasn't a leading question. Then when I asked about the anxiety, no, no, no it's fine. Like, I'm, I'm willing to have the conversation yeah, yeah. with you anyway. Um, but, oh yeah, you go ahead. So I was going to say like, for, for me, like I used to wake up anxious, like for, I was working in sales. Mm. So my like money that I think I'd be getting, I'd, I'd work for it one month. I'd get like the commission. I could see it on my screen, like how much I was going to get paid. And then over the next month, like people just kept calling up and just canceling their policies. So I was just, I'd think I'm rich by like the end of the month. And then when you'd be losing it, the subsequent, like the end of the next month before it cuts off. So that it's like solid commission for me to be paid like two months after it would just be dropping, dropping, dropping. So I'd build up this idea of like what my life's going to look like in a couple months time. And then it would just be like crushed. So I'd be constantly thinking about that. And I was unable to like, just realize like it doesn't matter. And if, like, just realize that I was selling stuff in one month that just didn't matter until two months until it was 
in my bank that's when it matters that's when you should count it mm. but i was essentially just counting my eggs before they hatched you know what and that was well, like the biggest cause of your anxiety would you say there was a lot of that and i was just insecure mate like i just especially when i was in the relationship with my ex like i mm. just i didn't feel like i was enough or like truly able to be accepted for who i was like becoming because i think it was at around 18 months two years ago that's when i kind of realized who i actually was yeah definitely. and i was a, i was a long way away from that person yeah absolutely so that made me really anxious because i was like well my whole life's just going to crumble and change because i'm gonna be who i am and that's scary so i used to wake up in like two in the morning like, oh fuck i'd have like a like panic attacks almost like sometimes i'd be at work in like big yeah i remember you saying about this and i'd have a panic attack when they just like make a, a minor change to the pay structure and i felt so helpless i just like my heart would start racing and then it's obviously fight or flight mode and i was like for me for a long time when i was younger like you know i used to have like anger problems so it used to be like fight for me like if if, if oh one of, <laughs> we tell a funny story as well yeah yeah we can get to it <laughs> yeah. <in a> <laughs> um but like i i'd i'd have something that made me angry at work mm. and i'm like oh my god i'm gonna batter him what is oh. in? Do you just feel like you weren't able to express your emotions? Yeah, that's exactly it. I was going to say like one of the best things for me about doing therapy is now I can actually label my own emotions. Um, like before, I used to be. Uh, well, there's two things. I used to be very much like I'm either happy, sad, or anxious. Like mm. I didn't, you know, I didn't realize that there could be like shame or you know embarrassment or yeah. hurt or etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is. Wait, I'm just trying. I'm trying to think about what I'm going to say before I say it. That's right. I've completely lost my train of thought now. Don't though. you worry about it, Josh. Do you want to actually tell that story about my aggression? Yeah. What? what will we cut <laughs> this out? No, we keep this in. This is fine. Oh, fair. Okay. Um. So, do you want to tell a story, or shall I? What about us having a fight? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. You tell it from your perspective, and then I'll see if I agree or disagree. Okay. So, from my perspective, um both of our girlfriends had had like a fight when we were out and my ex-girlfriend had like hit your ex-girlfriend over the head <laughs> with a high heel which is so unreasonable yeah definitely um, i can't believe this and so under like just uncalled for and then obviously i was just attached to my girlfriend you were attached to your girlfriend but i think you were probably way more mature than me at this point i don't know about that mate like can you not remember we were down back path and you were really angry and i think it's think i think it's because i stood with like elza and i don't know a couple of other of my mates and i was just like i was almost like pulling faces at you like taunting you like yeah. come on then come on then um, and you like full-on shoved me and like i just feel like elza just like pulled you away or whatever um we were in the same business studies class, weren't we? Yeah. I feel like we didn't talk for about four weeks. Yeah. And then a... one day you were just like, do you want to come to Tesco with me? I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. It was like, so basically we were down the area where we all used to smoke ciggies and... Have rap battles. Have rap battles and talk trash about teachers. And I think you just stood there with, like, I was trying to have a go at you and you just like weren't having any of it. You are just like... I didn't feel heard if I was going to label the emotion out. I didn't feel heard or seen, so I got frustrated. Sorry, and that's all right, mate. And, and then you were stood there just with your hands on your hips. Yeah, no, there's, there's a, photo a photo of it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's hilarious. Um, so I think that's a, our only, like, run-in that we've had together. But you've seen me probably angry to the point of irresponsible, like, quite a yeah, few yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
But now you meditate every day. But now I meditate. I literally can't remember the last time I was really angry. I think about it quite often. Like road rage, I always find is like a good gauge of how much I've meditated. Because mm. if I'm driving along and someone's like up my ass, or if someone's not paying attention, I can see them in the car. Like if I'm getting angry at that, it's so out of my control. It's pointless. If I haven't meditated much, which like it hasn't been for a long time, because obviously I'm 340 days on a streak, baby. Nice. Um, you like I, I would react very differently and I'd be like angry and trying to like like honk my horn or like shout at them even though they obviously can't hear me and road rage is like the most pointless thing ever I understand it from a point of like fight or flight and like fear when it's a legitimate like someone almost crashes into you but for the most part like when people get road rage it's not valid it's just dumb. yeah it's kind of bizarre when you actually think about it it's like this person in front of me is driving slightly slower than like <laughs> i'd like them to be i'm yeah. just gonna like drive right up their ass and it's so stupid risk people's lives essentially yeah it's kind of mad to be honest when you actually think about it it's very immature i don't know if i ever get road rage i'm not a very like angry guy to be fair no but... you're pretty chilled out yeah, yeah i am especially because obviously you've meditated for over 100, 300 days in a row now. So we love it. <laughs> um, where, Giles, do you live? Where do I live? At the moment, I'm uh, back in Dorset. Back in Dorset. I've lived in Brighton for the last six years. So. What would you say, because I would say that there was a noticeable change in you like when you moved to Brighton, what would you say your biggest lesson was from when you left Dorset, which comes with a bit of a sheltered like mentality it's not very multicultural here it's not very anything like that like what would you say your biggest lesson was from like going away to brighton my biggest lesson what i don't know what my biggest lesson was but like it's similar to you when you went to australia right you mm. like the same when i went to brighton you just feel as if you can be yourself a bit more. Like mm. the people around you don't have a preconceived idea of who you are. Yeah. So you almost get to reinvent yourself. Like you, I do the same thing. Like you play up. When you see some people, you kind of play up to their idea of who mm. you are. Or you find it difficult to be like, actually, I'm not that person anymore. This is who I am now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just say when I first got there, like you actually can be yourself. And I don't know, you, you lose the idea. You know, like in Dorset, for example... Or, you know, when you grow up in the same area, that you, well, when you live in the same area you grew up with, you've still got an idea of, you know, this person's cool or this person's not cool. Yeah. You just lose all of that and you're just like, oh, I like this person. We've got, you know, they're a nice person or we've got sh- similar interests or whatever. Yeah. Um, you just become, I don't know, you drop your guard a little bit. You just become a bit more vulnerable and you just try new things, I guess. Yeah. Do you feel you felt a bit less judged? Like yeah definitely i feel like brighton as a city and sussex like as a university as well it's quite a like hippie free loving you can be yeah. yourself kind of place yeah because um, i almost feel like when i when i went away i felt like i felt less judged therefore i judged people less um because yeah I th- definitely i don't it's like what came first chicken or the egg with that like i don't know if it's judging other people that makes you then feel judged or feeling judged that makes you then judge other people but there's definitely a correlation there backed by bro science bro science bro science um in terms of that judgment and like mate, a judgment free life like you're never going to be judgment free but you can restrict the amount of that judgment like influences your behavior 
or attitude. Mm. I I just wanted to go back and ask you what the biggest lesson you learned was when you went away. Well, I'm actually not a prick. You're not, mate. You're a lovely yeah. guy. I think like nah, like when I went away, everything sort of felt like it was stripped back and like you say about you, you get to just be yourself yeah so, people have no preconceived idea of who you are so you can just you can be who you truly are yeah and maybe people weren't like that like in hostels in australia like i, I actually met some of my best mates like quite rapidly That's nice. when i was out there like the girls from jersey shout out the jersey girls like <laughs> i thought like they're what they're like 19 20 like i'd never like have three like best mates who are 19 or 20 like from dorset that girls like that that would be considered weird but because i was traveling like and they knew me for who i actually was like i felt instantly a way better connection than i had with lots of friends that i'd had for a long time mm. um and i think it's just about having that like bravery and sort of like vulnerability just to be yourself it just pays pays off so much and it is tough like I, I like it when i first came back from oz and and bali and came back here like i felt like i did play up to groups like we were talking about earlier yeah whereas now i, I think even i, I think it. even i saw that and noticed it in you like there's been times i can remember even when, when you were in bali and maybe we can talk about both of us not really drinking alcohol anymore yeah um which is another thing i, I feel we've kind of bonded over a little yeah. bit but I remember seeing some of your stories. I think it was on Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve. It was. And I was messaging you the next day being like, you're not being yourself there at all, mate. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. It was... Uh, that Maybe was that's actually, alcohol-induced rather than... It was. It was completely alcohol-induced. And the people that I was around like that time, like I was out for my mate Sean's birthday, and like he's a legend. But some of his friends, like they're just not my people. And, mm. and there's nothing against them like I'm sure well, they're just a bit like lads 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 very lads 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 and yeah, like fair. I just sort of played up to the group a little bit and then was like showing off on my stories and stuff and like it's just stupid like that's not a criticism of you by no, the way no, no, like, no. I'd probably do the exact same yeah. thing but um, but that's when I decided to stop drinking I was like well if I can't get a handle on myself mm. and lose the sense of who I am when I drink I was like why would I want to do that to myself and there's funner things to do rather than drinking. <laughs> there's way there's way better things people can do um, than drinking. Like, well, you're holding it in now. Go on, say, speak your truth, young king. Me and Ed enjoy doing psychedelics together. Yeah. Well, we've done it, what, twice, maybe three times now? Because yeah, otherwise people times. are going to think we sound like addicts. Like, <laughs> oh, this, yeah, no, of this course. Is con- this, this is, is like controlled. A, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And for me, it's not like a, I don't know, like I feel as if last summer, just for example, I was getting quite interested in people like Timothy Leary or um, Terence McKenna. I don't know if you mm. really know who they are, but they were like big people in the counterculture movement in the 60s who were real advocates for like psychedelic drugs. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, some of the people that me and you both listen to, you know, like Sam Harris or, yeah. I don't know, like Joe Rogan, for example. Yeah. Um, plus, I'm a massive fan of like 60s and 70s, like yeah, rock yeah. and roll and psychedelic rock and roll. Yeah. Um, okay. Come well, on. I just I don't know really. For me, it wasn't like a let's get fucked. It was more of a I I can control my own thoughts and feelings somewhat, or I'm a lot better at it. Like I feel as if I'd be able to have more control over this trip. Yeah. I was actually talking to my therapist about it as well, and she's applied to um because I don't know if they're making like is it psilocybin? Yeah. I don't know if they're legalizing it in like a controlled environment, but she's applied to do 
like therapeutic almost like studies with a person where they take the drug and she guides them for a trip over like five or six hours um, that's really cool i feel like it can be a therapeutic and you know insightful i don't know amazing experience really yeah it can be so profound in john hopkins university in america they're doing a lot of research into psilocybin's effect on cte and cte is essentially is like a brain injury like repetitive um trauma to the brain mm. a lot of like american footballers have it ufc stars because obviously like they just get whacked in the head like time after time after time and all these concussions like add up over time and just like deteriorate your brain like there's some ufc stars who are like in maybe their 40s and 50s now and like watching them like try to string a sentence together it's just sad man like because their brain just doesn't work but psilocybin has like the ingredients that can re like connect your brain like neurons of um your neural pathways that have been disconnected it's like mental research um i feel like i should quickly say i don't feel like we should advocate for people like doing these drugs unless no like for me and you we we both know each other very well. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to tell this story because it's quite funny. You know, when me and you, we were kind of tripping. We went yeah. for a walk and that woman started talking to us. Yeah. And I had to walk off because I was in hysterics. Like, yeah. I just couldn't stop laughing at her. Um, and I was like saying to you, did that really happen? And you were like, yes, mate, it happened. Will you shut the fuck up? Because I, I was asking you like 10 times, like, no, that didn't happen, did it? Did that honestly happen? And I was like, mate, you need to be nicer to me right now. I'm feeling very vulnerable. And you were like, oh, mate, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I forgot. And it was just like, I feel like you need to be in a good environment with people you trust. And I also feel, I don't know, you need to be in a pretty good headspace (coughs) for it as well. Like two years ago, I feel like I never would have done it. But now I'm like, yeah, I feel secure in myself to do it. The first time I ever did it was when I was in Oz, wasn't it, in Melbourne and Mm. I took like a tab and a half of acid the first like first time I'd ever touched it in my life. Some girl was like, oh, if you pay my entry, I'll give you this acid. I was like, all right, deal. <laughs> um, that sounds intense. It was so intense. I went into this club that opens on a Thursday and doesn't shut until Sunday night. God. Like there's rumors that someone like died in there once and wasn't found until the Sunday, but it was on like a Thursday. Like it's just pretty crazy. And then some guy came up to me. He was like, oh, mate, you from England? And I was like, yeah. He goes, oh, I used to play for Wigan. Um, do you want to buy any ket? And I was like, what? Why? I was like, why are you trying to sell ketamine to people in nightclubs? Why is he used to play football? as high. I used to play for Wigan. <laughs> I don't know, mate. You must be like pretty proud of it. It's pretty. Big yeah, to thing be fair, to... I'd be pretty proud of that myself. But but I was like, this is just too weird of a scenario for me. So I left the club because you. I just don't think that like psychedelic should ever be done out of like a really safe and controlled environment. Um, but I obviously like the first time I ever did it, I ended up after about five hours of this thing just like kicking the ass out of me and like hallucinating and just going on a walk around melbourne like on my own at like three in the morning i then called my ex and it brought me some like clarity on that i was like oh hey and she was like you're right and i was like yeah i've done some acid but i just wanted to let you know um you're all right and she was like what and i was like you know like all, all that's like being said all that's been done like no hard feelings in that I don't. I genuinely don't think I'd have got that clarity if I hadn't. Well, it would have taken me a lot longer. Yeah, yeah, fair. If I hadn't had that like elevated sense of self that comes with like psychedelics and stuff like that. But like you say, like it's it's not. We're talking about it because it's a open and honest like forum. Here. Mm. It's not that I'm saying like everyone should do it because there's absolutely risks for some people doing it. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it's just something that has 
I like doing, and that's my choice. Yeah, and I find I d- it interesting. Like the, I don't know if it's almost like an introspective drug rather than it's not like a party. Come on, let's go out and no. be crazy. It's a bit more of a like when we've done you know DMT. It's just let's close our eyes and sit here and yeah, know, see where we go. Yeah, see where we go. Yeah, I've like I've I've definitely done it in the wrong environment before. I remember I went to Bristol once for a rave and I did this like. 2CB which is I think it's like a bit of acid and MDMA mm. mate I had the worst time ever I was so scared I could just I just thought there were all these people there dressed really weird like people at raves dressed pretty weird anyway I thought you were going to say the story <coughs> of an Ibiza with Cal Foy <laughs> uh, no similar experience not my story to tell <laughs> yeah. not my story to tell um but yeah it's I think it's so much better for you than alcohol. I think alcohol is the devil because it makes me super depressed. But that is obviously my opinion. Makes me from productive my... the next day as well. Like these days, I just I prefer waking up early and meditating. I sound like I'm about fifty five years old here, but no. But imagine how like woke you're going to be when you're fifty five years I old. Do, I do. I do often think that. Like I'm going to be doing it probably every day for the rest of my life. I mean, granted, you know, if I ended up in a coma in hospital, I wouldn't. But That's just one long meditation session. Though. Yeah, true. Actually. <laughs> That'd be pretty good, actually. I wonder if your, like, brain... No, actually, do you reckon your brain works when you're in a coma? Like, do you think you can think? I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, me neither. Something to Google after. That's definitely... Hey, wait, Jamie, bring that up. Jamie, bring it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we don't have a Jamie here. <laughs> yeah, not yet, anyway. Not yet. But you're on the right path, mate on the right path you're doing mate I'll well. get there at some point I'm sure um, I've just realised we've not spoken about books at all in this so far that's alright mate it doesn't, it doesn't matter we've been going for I don't I feel know like we're how both, long we're both avid readers though what are you it's, reading at the moment well I've just started Anti-Fragile by Nassim What's It Taleb yeah um, Surrounded by Idiots I'm reading for my book club um, I know you didn't like that book so don't slander it because obviously I've got about hundred odd people that are going to read it with me i'm indifferent towards it i just read it and i was like oh this didn't really do anything for me it's very blue of you very blue of me <laughs> yeah for... <laughs> <laughs> um what else am i reading like i'm you just finished reading um naval ravikant's book naval ravikant's book probably one of my favorite books of the year just i'm it's looking just forward to reading that knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb um i'm going to read how to prevent or how to stop a climate disaster the bill gates one okay mate which is so weird one i put that on my story and someone messaged me, like, you should have a look at Bill Gates's involvement in the farming crisis in India before you read that book. And I was like... Have you actually heard what he's been doing, though, about him buying up loads of land? Oh, no. Is this legit, then? I thought yeah, it was legit. just conspiracy stuff. I, to be honest, mate, I don't know. There's, like, a lot of conspiracy stuff with Bill Gates. But actually, yeah, I'm not going to comment on this because I, I'm just not educated on it at yeah. all. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole and then I'm like, actually, I don't know if that was accurate. But but I feel like that's what conspiracy theorists do anyway. They just, maybe they just Ga- don't feel maybe themselves. Maybe Bill Gates is all right, actually. Like When you think about some of the stuff he's invented and the company that he was behind, it's funny because yeah. I'm reading a book at the moment called Rational Optimist by Matt Ridley, um, yeah. which is actually a book that Naval Ravikant talks about and one yeah. of his favourites. You should it. read it as well because it's bloody brilliant. It's arriving today. Oh, really? Um, just on Bill Gates, the path to hell is paved with good intentions, young Giles. Where's that from? Don't know. Not me. Someone else. <laughs> but Good quote, though. It is, isn't it? Say it like, again. The path to hell is paved with good intentions. Is it really, though? I think so. I think a lot of people end up with, like... I'll start st- with good intentions, but... Of yeah. course, like, 
power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely or something like that there's yeah, another that's one that's not by said. me um absolute power corrupts absolutely absolute powerlessness does the same is that what you're thinking of oh no no it's a okay one. don't worry about that that's just me spitting some bars spitting some bars yeah but um, what what i wanted to say about matt ridley's book is that when i'm reading it i feel as if i'm actually reading it like wow i actually really like capitalism do you because when I, I know it's there's inequality granted but he's talking about like in the last couple of years think about the things that capitalism has brought us like having lights in your home having the internet yeah. being able to travel like vaccinations and medicines and yeah think about how much your quality of life has improved like we've been around for you know over a hundred thousand years and it's just yeah. like think about in the last hundred years or even 30 years how much the quality of life around the world has actually improved yeah and i'm not i'm not anti-capitalism i don't think there's another like way of doing things i think it's there's a lot of like utopias like ideas utopia for realists that's like, a pretty good book like there's a lot of nice ideas of how things could work but practically it just probably would like the applications wouldn't work of like a socialist society or something like that maybe i'm just saying this because when i was in brighton maybe like five years ago i was like yeah fuck capitalism bro i'm woke yeah but now i'm like actually do you know what it's pretty good but well, that, at least for me but it's good it's good that you've like come to that conclusion because i think everyone has this idea of being woke and i'd say like i'm pretty woke but i now <laughs> identify with like you are pretty woke. so many different ideas that cross the boundaries from left to right yes and you wouldn't put I'm, yourself in one bubble and be like i yeah i'm, I don't, I'm the I mean, complete i don't same. want to identify with either of them because both sides are fucking crazy you've got I'd the, completely agree you've got the you. radical left who just like are upset by everything and want everything to be like cancelled serving <laughs> yeah everything to be cancelled they want everything to be serving some sort of i don't even know what and then you can start identity politics the radical they're really like concerned with. yeah like the radical right is like just just seen as like neo-nazis which is obviously annoying but they both attack each other in the same like they just gibbet each other the exact Have you ever same heard amount of horseshoe theory no which is where like I don't know if you could imagine like a whole I'm doing yeah. this with my fingers but obviously the audience can't see but they're, the left and right the extreme left and extreme right are actually mm. incredibly close together yeah um, one of the books that I've read and I know you've read um, Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth yeah there's a bit in there that I really liked about politics where it's like about letting go of your identity yeah um, and letting go of you might be like oh this person wronged me or this you know corporation's wronged me or this government's wronged me yeah it's about like letting go of that letting go of your ego yeah accepting it and just moving on because like maybe this is incredibly easy for me to say actually but yeah well like we we both come from places of we're like white we're both, middle class yeah, yeah, male we're both privilege, quite privileged yeah. but also that doesn't discount the fact that we're allowed to have opinions on things true that um because otherwise we just have to be quiet and and like that's not a world that anyone wants to live in where and you've got a podcast so you can't be quiet that's where it kind of crosses the boundaries of like just hypocrisy from the left being like you come from a place of privilege you can't talk about it no no no. what you need to do is acknowledge privilege understand that like we come from that place but we also like have to get on with our lives but i was also going to say you just reminded me i went on a, a, a date with a girl last summer oh yeah who kept telling me about how i how privileged i was and i was like you know nothing about me or my life like you're just assuming that i'm privileged mm. I was like, you don't, you're, you're not judging me as an individual. You're putting me in a group identity. Yeah. 
It was driving me insane. Sorry to interrupt. I, th- I think when it comes to like a 1v1 conversation, I don't know why she'd have brought it up anyway. But like with your well, particular... Well, she went to Sussex. So. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to like your particular situation, like it's quite unique. Generally, white males, like a society serves serves us for the most part obviously there's that video of jordan peterson talking about it where he's like well why are men like committing suicide the most why are oh what they're like doing worse in school doing worse in schools yeah, yeah. and it's like even though they're doing worse in schools they like occupy most of the high positions in companies and stuff like that um it's just a very weird i actually wrote my dissertation on that did you yeah i wrote it about um like I'm try- i can't remember what the exact title was but from writing, like I think it was seven and a half thousand words, I feel like I actually came to the agreement with Jordan Peterson a bit. Like mm. you do look at it and you just think, why would you even want to do that? You have to work like a hundred hours a week or eighty hours a week to do what? Well, just to become like a CEO oh, of, yeah. of an organization. Like it's it's really hard work. Yeah, I just feel like men are more likely to actually almost want to do that. I don't really know why. This is just the conclusion. Sorry, that, yeah. that was really like poorly explained. Yeah, me, yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> basically, I'm you're a, a sexist. <laughs> what the fuck, Charles? Get off the nah. podcast. Um, no, I like it's such a odd topic to discuss. Like, there's so many different ways you and so many different approaches. Like, I don't even know what my opinion on it is. Like, when I think about it, and I think there's so many things like that. I just think we're probably both not experts on the topic. And I, it's the kind of thing that, like, when, I, when I'd when i written my dissertation, I definitely felt like a bit of an expert on the topic. But this was about six or seven years ago. Yeah. I feel like I've forgotten half the information. So it's definitely I probably just won't comment world. on it, really. Yeah. But what we got to realise is women literally didn't even have the vote until the early 1900s. That means yeah. like there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years where they've just been repressed. That's where the yeah, whole like, male Do you think 200 years ago, like, men were just walking around repressing a woman? Yeah, you fucking idiot. Were they really, though? I thought everyone was just, like, cooperating a little bit. Nah, like, they were only just allowed into the workplace, and they were just being, like, the... um... But, mate, 200 years ago, like, there was only really one workplace. It was, like, people work on farms. That was about it. Yeah, I'm still pretty sure that there was a lot of sexism back then. I think we've yeah, been probably was, for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably right there, actually. <laughs> I just, like, when you actually think about it, I like, as soon as you say that, I think about Henry VIII. I'm like, well, he had eight wives and he managed to yeah. like, get rid of all of them. And like, no one gives a fuck about him. It was mostly kings. Like, there were a few queens, um, but they were came from like a very like a masculine energy kind of place. And it was only literally because it was their birthright that they were there. I don't think there was like, when was the first like female prime minister? It's probably Maggie Thatcher, right? Yeah, I think so. That was what, in the 80s? No. Yeah, it's a bit mad. Like, mate, that's a lot of years. When, why is Jesus not a woman? Someone made that story up and they made him a man. Yeah, but I feel like there's other religions where, like, women are gods. Like what? I don't actually know, which is, <laughs> which is a real good point. There's some religions that have got hundreds of gods, and I suppose they have to, like, spread it across the genders equally. But also, why are we giving Jesus or God a gender when he's an omnipresent being who serves us all? We're going down a really bizarre... <laughs> root with this we are i I was not expecting (laughs) to speak to you about like religion and feminism etc but well here we are here we are this is what we talk about in our spare time yeah it's the good conversations i feel like me and you genuinely do have quite weird conversations when we're just together walking around places though yeah it's broad topics and i think it's these kind of conversations that like we actually get to understand our opinion on it through communicating 
because like you'll say something and you'll realize i don't even think that yeah like, i'm like <laughs> actually wait do i think that but, but the thing is someone could sound like hopefully you don't get famous one day because i'm gonna sound bite this conversation where you say i don't think women have been repressed and then i'm gonna is that what i actually just said though no i don't nah, think but said... i feel like i feel like even if you did say that i'd be like yeah to be honest i'm really not an expert on this topic yeah. i've educated myself i've changed my opinion like that's um, probably the route I'd go down. Demi Lovato's conversation with Joe Rogan on his podcast was insane. Like Demi Lovato from Disney. She was working on Barney when she was like seven years old. Um, she went and did like loads of heroin in like 2018, got like Bloody super hell. addicted to drugs. And she was talking about it. Like they were talking about the fact that she is now pansexual. And mm. Joe Rogan was like, oh yeah, it's the LGBT. I don't fucking know what you guys are calling yourself anymore. And like sometimes, like he would be attacked. What for was that. he being quite dismissive? Of Not that? really, but like oh. he was just like, I don't know it. I like oh, admitting right, ignorance. And she just responded so maturely to it and was like, yeah, like it is getting like there's a lot being added to it. Like it's, it's well, hard to keep up to see with people having a nice, polite, and it was just, like just an open conversation. And mate, she was like, sometimes I say things and I think completely differently, like 20 minutes later. Like when you go to therapy, when you start the start the conversation with a the therapist and then like at the end, like I literally don't even think anywhere like yeah. what I thought when I came into this room. And I think people just need to understand that people, all people are capable of change and that change can happen so rapidly when it comes to I completely to opinions. agree. I completely agree. And it, I feel like it's a sign of, I don't know if it's like maturity as well as like... Mm. I don't know, what's the opposite of having ego, would you say? Humility. Yeah. To maybe be like, oh, actually, I was wrong there. Yeah, you're completely right. Yeah. I, well, I don't think enough people can admit when they're wrong. Yeah. I'm more than happy to do it. Like, I'd rather just, like, say I'm probably wrong. Yeah, I feel like to, you, yeah, as, like, you, a precursor I was to say, you, you've, got, you've gotten good at that, actually, I'd say. Like, it, it's just amazing to see the progress that you've made in the last two years. Thanks, man. Same, same for me. Yeah, blow, yeah. Sorry, can't, Charles. It's can't really blow good my own to trumpet, see. but do you know what I mean? It's just nice, mate. It's refreshing. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe this is what people do when they like navigate through their twenties. Like this is kind of when people understand who they are. I feel like it's quite a confusing time. It is. Like, my therapist said to me that adulthood doesn't actually begin until you're twenty-five. Really? Yeah, that's what she said to me. Well, people She's say therapist, doesn't... mate. So she must be right. <laughs> so true. She must know everything. <laughs> Shout out to Philippa as well. Philippa, Philippa, the therapist. Yeah. Um, Giles. Let's talk what? about the books because you gave me a list of books you told me to read when I first started. Is it? Yeah, okay. So I, I gave you a, a fair list of books to read, but I'd also say from the last, I actually worked this out the other day. I'd say from the last like 40 books I've read, probably 25 of them have been your recommendation. That's actually sick. That is sick. I'm basically just trying to mold you into someone that has the same opinions as no, me. No, but it, so it's quite, it's quite nice forever. to think that like I've given you a list of, you know, however many books and you've given me a list or norm normally when i speak to you you're like you have to read this book you'll yeah. love it it's great i mean some of them i've read like surrounded by idiots i was like no or like awareness by anthony Demello. i was like this wasn't really that good yeah but i did just read um another book by anthony Demello, the way to love meditations for life which i think you'd really enjoy i think i might have ordered that the other day or i considered it quite a lot because yeah, I remember you telling me about it but like you you were the one that told me to read 1984 didn't really like that but I think maybe if I read it now I would be more interested in it did you read Fahrenheit 451 Fahrenheit 451 I read I enjoyed that yeah that's good but the favourite of the like classics that you told me to read was Animal Farm yeah Animal Farm's real because that's good. like such a good is communism is that a left or a right ideal uh, it's a left ideal it's a left ideal yeah and was George Orwell 
very political, I imagine. Yeah, he was pretty... super political, but, <laughs> but he, he was against, like, I don't know, authoritarianism. And yeah. I'm just trying... I don't know how I'd actually... So- he was he was a socialist, essentially. Yeah. Well, th- the thing is, I'm saying this, I'm like, fuck, was he actually, though? Yeah. He was quite the figure, wasn't he, when it comes he to He was quite like the that. figure. Um, but Did... I think a lot of those authors got quite a lot of stick for those kind of books. Like, Aldous Huxley like was blamed for world war two was by a lot of critics because of a brave new world yeah like that's why he st- he starts off a brave new world in the like prologue to it did you like a brave new world i haven't read it well i just read the prologue oh, and i got, re- I got a quote good. that i really liked from it and I it's, took a, that it's a lot better i'd say it's better than 1984 is it i've got it i'll, I'll give it a read i was also curious have you read um a clockwork orange no i think you by anthony burgess me. Mate, you need to read that it's so good they've got their own language in the book like yeah. I don't know how I'd really describe it, but it's like a dystopian future where there's gangs and this guy commits some horrific crimes. He gets arrested. Actually, I don't. Mm. I don't want to ruin the story too much for you. Oh, but but it's it's good and it's a classic. Is it? Yeah, there's like I'm trying to think. There was another book that I wanted you to read, which was a classic. Blindness. No, because that's not really a classic. Although no. he did win the Nobel Prize for literature. Really? Um, mate, you will, I promise you, you will fucking love that book. I promise you. But he's got, so basically this book, Giles has recommended me and given me that I haven't read, has Bastard. no punctuation, no space. But it makes complete sense when you read it. And it, the thing is, it doesn't actually break the rules of, like, literature. Mm. I mean, when you're reading it, it makes complete sense and it, it almost fits with the story. The The premise is that, Everyone goes blind in society, like slowly goes blind. It starts off as like a disease in one city. They quarantine everyone um, and it starts to spread. Coronavirus. Yeah. Well, parallels. Um, and this one woman remains with her eyesight. Ooh. She's called the doctor's wife. Um, is she the doctor's wife? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Got you. How did you work that one out? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll read books, bro. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's interesting I don't want to say it's like novel in the sense that you wouldn't have read anything like it, but it's not just good for the reason that it's novel. It's actually good. It's an interesting story. Interesting. I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah. You used to read a lot more novels than you would nonfiction, right? Yeah, I'd say there was a period. It was like in my first year of university, um, well, between first and second year, like I didn't have a job and I was just at home and I was like, right, I'm just going to play guitar and read every day. Yeah. So I read a load of novels. What would you say your like top two novel recommendations would be? I'm going to say The Blindness by <laughs> Josie Saramanga, just because I really, really want you to read it. Okay, well, take me out of the equation. You're talking to a good few thousand people. Um, I've just mentioned A Clockwork Orange as well. I'd say yeah. that's pretty good. It's also, it's just good in the sense that he's made up his own language as well. Yeah. Like I could say, you've got some horror show platies. Do you know what that means? No means you've got some good clothes horror show platies mate there's i think there's a dictionary in the back because they there's so much slang in it but it's just it's a good that sound that does sound pretty good have you have you also read uh, we're going down a bit of a novel um road here but have you read uh have you heard of hunter s thompson or fear and loathing in las vegas uh that's a is a film of that with Johnny yeah, Depp isn't it and yeah. it's like basically about drugs i've not seen the film but the book is real really good yeah well it's about like do you know what gonzo journalism is? No. Where it's like the journalist puts themselves... Like he used to do it where he'd go around with like the Hells Angels biker gang as in he went around with them for a year 
and that he's written it like actually a part of the it's not how would how would i describe it he's a part of what he's writing about rather than like just looking at it from the outside uh okay so there, he's not there must going be a better to report on it. it he's basically going to make himself an insider and then just telling the story as it yeah he experiences yeah, it absolutely. as opposed to how he sees it <laughs> yeah it's just good i think you'd enjoy it because there's just mad depictions of like psychedelics in there. Yeah. And it, well, I enjoyed it anyway because, like I was saying to you, I'm quite interested in like the counterculture of the 60s. Yeah. Which is what it's about. And it's about like the death of the American dream almost. And it's just quite funny. Yeah. It's mad that the 60s seems like a. You, you'd like to be alive in the 60s, wouldn't you? Well, I don't know. I'm really. I'm the choice. I, I used to think yes, but now I've started reading this Rational Optimist book. There's a question in it like. It talks about the progress that has been made in the last like forty years alone. Yeah, and you just think, oh my good god, mate! I can't believe how much better life is now. It makes me feel quite optimistic. Rationally so. Yeah, rationally so. Like, I was reading it. Well, and the first chapter is all about like this is better, this is better, and I'm just reading it like, do you know what? Life's actually fucking great. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of positives to be taken from today's side as much as there are negatives. But Jordan Peterson's new book is like, you basically have no right to comment on how shit society is if you have an untidy room. And he's basically saying, like, people will sit in their room. <laughs> yeah, looking at my room right now. People yeah. sit in their room that's just a shithole. Their life's a bit of a mess. And they're like, oh, the world is so fucked. Oh, what, it's like, like that's fix a... yourself before you try and, you know, yeah, fix others. Yeah, and, like, not in a sense that it's, like, for him, people might see that as him just, like, batting off all the, like, liberals who want to make change in the world. But it's, like, there's a lot of people that, like, they say they want to make change, but they're actually not willing to do a fucking thing about it. Yeah, I completely and it's obviously agree. actions speak louder than words. Like, I was thinking the other day, um, because obviously people are going to start going to the beach a little bit more here. Mm. Um, so obviously people are just going to start chucking rubbish on the beach and just leaving it there and loads of people like put it on their stories I'm like well I haven't seen any of you lot going and doing a beach clean didn't and you do a beach clean? I did a beach clean yeah well done mate And but like I'd, if I was to put a photo up of that there'd be a load of people like, oh my god you're virtue signaling well they might not even know what that like means um, that's so judgmental of me to say <laughs> <laughs> no, mate this is great though like, I feel um, like you've said something right away you're like yeah I shouldn't have said that actually. Yeah, but it's fine um, we'll carry on but like, no judgment here. They'll be like, oh, you're just virtue signaling. And they'll like look for a way to attack it and belittle it because like they actually know that they're doing fuck all about I'd it. I'd almost say, like, why would you even need to post this online? To like encourage other people to do it, I would have said. Yeah, but is there a little bit in you which is like, yeah, I'm feeling good about this. I'm going to show the world. Yeah, on 100%, mate. There's, there's no such thing as altruism. Because like there's certain things that I've done. Well, I did, well, I'm back on Instagram now, but I deleted it for quite a while. Yeah. Where I was like posting about stuff, I was like, oh, I'm doing this thing, which is really cool. I want everyone to know. And I was like, wait, this is this is a bit weird, actually. Why why do I want people to know this? Or why am I actually doing this? I think if you want to like release yourself from the bonds of va validation from others, you literally have to go and be a monk. I think you can't live in modern society and not enjoy a little bit of like instant gratification from you do others love a bit of validation mate like, everyone i does. do as well i'm not bothered i'm like it maybe if i got 20 likes on one of my posts and i need to read i'd be upset about that purely because of the ratio of the amount of people that seen it i'd be like okay so they're telling me like my audience are telling me that they don't like what i've just done but do you not think that, like that sounds almost problematic to me like if you put a post up on instagram and you didn't get validation from people you'd be upset 
I'm not saying I would be. I'm saying that there's a chance. I haven't been upset <laughs> from it because I haven't got to that point. I know, but <laughs> yeah, fair. I hope you don't get to that point. No. Um, and also, like, I kind of realised that I do this for me. <laughs> there was a time where I strayed from that path and I was thinking about, oh my God, how can I please all of my followers? I want to look after the people that listen to me. I want to look after the people that follow me. And I want to look after them in a way that I'm providing them value. I can't believe I'm just sat here right now. I'm just thinking, I can't believe that you have, a, not in a harsh way, because <laughs> you're, you're a fucking legend. I love you. But like, you have a I have a following now. Yeah, it's pretty mad, man. Like, I remember when you came back from Bali and we were just sat in mine talking about it. And I was like, I literally just can't believe that like just two years ago, you'd be working in a call center going to like the same club every friday night <laughs> and saturday and saturday and it's just like now mate you've just you've made such good progress Thanks, man. i say it all the time but i'm just, yeah. I'm just very proud of you well it, done. um it is very strange and it's like, like it's it's a weird thing to come to terms with because like sometimes like i get so many messages like saying like oh well done oh, i love what you're doing like you've really helped me and i was like it's great but I, I can't read all of that. It's not. It's unnatural to get that amount of praise. And I'm not saying that from a point of arrogance. I'm saying that from a point of like, I have to try and not take that on board mm. because if I do take it on board too much, I'll literally walk around and like my mum will ask me to do something. I'm like, mum, do you not realise I'm <laughs> mum, helping do not know who I am. thousands of people? I'm so important. Like, I can't let that get to my head. Do you? I, we were having this conversation, I think it was last week, and I asked you, do you feel as if you're now more, like, prone to criticism? Like, if someone critiqued you? Because you're probably used to now getting a lot of, you know, positive feedback. If someone was to criticise you, do you think you take it a bit more personally? Yeah, I think Or anyone, it's a bit more, like, cuts a bit deeper? Anyone that anyone that receives praise will also receive criticism at some point and yeah, as humans we have the negativity bias where we will focus on the negative yeah absolutely um sometimes like i rarely get criticism i'm very fortunate in that sense like and i'm not, I'm not saying that like i don't get i'm criticism. saying with a, bit, I'm <laughs> with a bit of a smirk on my face like ed's to say like i don't get criticism no but i don't i'm grateful for that fact like people either realize that i don't like i'd almost feel like it's quite hard to criticize what you're doing because like you're you're promoting like therapy to people you're promoting meditation you're promoting reading i don't feel like you could you can't really criticize that to be honest with and you also i'm promoting saying like i don't have a fucking clue what i'm on about i'm just yeah, trying fair. to learn like if anyone wants to join me like please do yeah, because fair. I think the world will be a better place if we all do this. I feel like if you started promoting like, I don't know, like steroids or something like that. <laughs> yeah, not that you ever would, but I yeah, definitely no, be like, the money's what the right. Fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's, do you think um, you could be bought? And mate, everyone has a, a price. price. Yeah, like I, if someone was like, oh, here's a hundred grand. Nah, it would have to be life changing amount of money. I don't think a hundred grand's life changing. I think that's like you could accrue that over yeah, a few I'm... years. Um, but if someone was like, here's 10 million, I want you to post it out of like, what, for 20,000 people? I could just tell them it's a joke a month later. Like, I would 100% do that. Yeah, Because 10 million, I can change so many people's lives. I could then give a grand to every to single follower pretty much. Like, <laughs> That'd be nice. Um, but like being serious, no, I don't think so. Like I'm very lucky. Like my agent is now like in talks with people to do promotions, and I've said to him, I was like, I will only work with people that do cool things that I think are like genuinely cool. Like Maltesers. Maltesers. I really want to work with Maltesers. 
I'm doing something with Audible soon. Yeah, nice. That, that's cool for me because I think Audible's sick. I yeah, have definitely, got such mate. value out of Audible. To then be paid to promote it is like a joke. To be paid to promote therapy, mate, is I know, a dream. That, that, yeah, I completely agree with that. Like, um, but I, when I first got them as a sponsor, I was worried people would think that I was like selling out. But what, what I then realised is... Why did you worry people would think you were selling out, though? Because I hadn't done any ads before. It was a new world for me. It's, but it's like you're saying, like if you were to promote... Like if someone gave you a, a ukulele, which were like, this is amazing. You might want to be like, look what I've just got. This is actually sick. If you play Luke, ukulele, go get this one. Like, it's great. Yeah. Well, I was talking about therapy before I got paid to talk yeah, about it. Like, exactly. it's, it's not like a new thing that I've like just brought up and be like, oh, hey, guys, I've um, I've actually been doing this for maybe three hours now. And I think it's a really good yeah, idea. I, yeah, I definitely agree. But um, I think one of the things. So this is maybe actually, you'll get sponsored by Headspace. That'd I, be pretty cool. I um, would like that, but I they're very exclusive with who they sponsor i've i've emailed them before you'll get there mate we'll get yeah we'll get there at some point um but what i was going to say was naval ravikant in his book is essentially that or like authenticity gets rid of any competition and authenticity integrity and just like progress are like my three sort of keywords with mm. the podcast like i want to always remain true to myself i don't want to that's why I do minimal editing. I don't want to like filter myself for other people because I'm concerned about what I've said or that that I might not sound smart enough because like I'm a human, right? Mm-hmm. Integrity, like I do not want to. That's one. That's one of my highest values is integrity, and it's been that way since when I was in the Marines because that was like something that's drilled into you because you have to tell the truth otherwise you just get fucked up. And I tried to pull the wall over people's eyes when I was in the Marines. Like, how would you my... try and pull the wall over people's eyes, though? In what sense? Oh, just like not washing your bottom sheet on your oh, bed. Oh, what? And, and they'd be like, like, have you done this? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I've done it. Yeah, yeah. And like when I was first in foundation, I remember I, I'd ironed one side of my shirt, the side that was on show, and he just pulled it out, looked at the other side, just pulled everything out of my locker, everything out of my like bottom drawers, all of my like actual clothes that were mine, and just poured loads and loads of washing powder over them, and then just poured his drinks bottle oh, it sounds it. a bit traumatic well, mate they are like that doesn't there's, sound there's, like a nice experience nah there is like a sense of like you could call it bullying or like harshness that comes with I mean you'd probably get some like good discipline from it oh, but mate, I mean I can make a bed now I don't I know can't see it like that yeah yeah give me a single a bed at the moment. with a good but uh, no, normally you're clean and you're an early riser etc I'm an early riser I wouldn't say that my room's particularly clean at any point I like to keep my room um at a certain stage of mess because it just reminds me that that's okay. Do you think the Marines made, made you an early riser? No, I was always an early riser. I think what the Marines made me was sad. Um, <laughs> Sorry to hear that, mate. Because <laughs> I, th- I just, that's not the life that I'm cut out for. I don't like yeah, authority. Yeah, I, I actually can't believe that you were in the Marines. It's mad, isn't it? It is mad. Because that's not me. Yeah, I was fit. Like, I was super, super fit, but that, like, lad culture environment was no... That was a breeding ground for me to be a bit of a dickhead. Yeah, definitely. Um, I can't imagine going into the Marines and being like, yeah, so I was talking to my therapist the other day after I just meditated, and they'd be a bit like, what? But then I mm. actually don't know what the Marines is like at all, so... There's a, maybe... lot, of, there's a lot of good people in there, yeah, obviously. Um, I, like, I know a, a bunch that I've kept in contact with. We've got a WhatsApp group, and, like, these are just people that I was... Like, everyone, all of us were injured... Mm. all of us were out of training and we all like bonded over that we used to just go to the gym in the morning for like three hours and then we'd go and sit outside the church with like multiple cups of tea with 
obscene amounts of sugar in and just smoke ciggies all day <laughs> long and just chat shit were you and not like, reading then at all either no none of that like no reading wow and now look at you i used to just watch films i remember once this is <laughs> this is quite a funny story right and i'm just gonna tell i don't know if you've heard me say it before one time i was watching a film on like a saturday morning i was watching lord of the rings on like a tiny little dvd player and I got well bored, and I looked, this was this was completely unrelated to Lord of the Rings. But I started having a wank one of my mates, like I was watching porn on my phone or something. <laughs> <laughs> one of my mates like walked in. He was like, "Are you wanking over Frodo?" <laughs> God, I'm... and I was mortified because I was like, "No, no, look, look!" <laughs> but it just it just just so happened to look like I was masturbating over Lord of the Rings. Just going down another slight rabbit hole because now yeah. we're on the topic of masturbation. Didn't you say you've com- you've stopped watching porn now? I'm watched porn. I've watched porn once since October. I watched it early in November. That's great. Yeah. Do you feel very... any different for it? I feel. I mean, like... maybe it's more more of like a subtle like a subtle change rather than like a. I, I just, feel different. But... I didn't. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that I feel different, but I think my mind is less. Well, the porn's toxicated. Like, that's yeah. that's the word. I, I feel like use. whenever you watch porn, you like after you've finished doing your business, you're a bit like, oh god, what is this? Yeah, like turn this off and because I don't pretend like, that didn't happen. Yeah, there's a lot of girls listening. Maybe you don't know this about guys, but when we've like done the business, I often feel disgusted in myself. I don't know about you. What are you talking about? Like masturbating? Or are you talking about actually having sex? Uh, masturbating. Oh right, okay, fair. I just feel gross afterwards. Yeah, I actually I don't really. I, I don't do it much at all anymore. And just mainly from pace that I'm like, I'm just like I can't. Be, I'd rather go to sleep because usually when I go to sleep, I'm pretty stoned. So like, yeah, nice. I fall straight to sleep anyway. So I haven't really got time to fit it in. Um, but yeah, so I, I stopped watching porn just because I just That's don't great. think it's, it's a good. It's not a good industry. I think like the stuff that that breeds. I'm not, I completely agree. Like there's definitely sex trafficking, and maybe that's not seen on that like sites like Pornhub. But without them getting money those other like darker parts of the web wouldn't get any money so i'm just i don't want to like play into their hands have you read any books on the topic nah i feel like it'd be relatively interesting to hear from well there's, i know there's documentaries yeah on it, but like about the porn industry from a porn star's perspective i think about like only fans as well that's probably a bit that's probably a bit better or it's a lot better than the porn industry yeah you've only... got control over it i guess but well like i i got to know someone when i was in bali who does any fans who's like made millions out of it and she says that wow. she doesn't recommend it to people because like, why she's had like stalkers she's had so many things of like yeah it's a price you pay I like because because guys generally are weirder than girls right when it comes to like it's not many girls who are on OnlyFans paying girls. It's the majority of yeah, the yeah. blokes who are like paying these girls like 10, 15 quid and they feel like they've then got a relationship with them, which like, I don't understand it. I've, I would never sign up to someone's OnlyFans, not because I think it's wrong for the girls to do it. I think do what you want with your body, but like, I'd feel I a bit don't, sad, really. I'd feel I'd sad. Like, am I really yeah. paying someone like for nude photos? It just seems a bit like, yeah. what am I doing? But then I suppose there are other people out there that haven't, been socialized the way that we've been socialized or have you ever, have you been to a strip club before yeah i hate it i mate. really don't like them either i don't like the it's awkward like they're just talking to you because they want your money yeah and... i'm just a bit like are you are you okay like... yeah <laughs> like and you'll get kicked out for asking those kind of questions because like they're like this is my job this is what i'm doing i just don't feel comfortable there i feel so uncomfortable yeah, there, man, actually. I'm, I'm not a big fan like i've 
can't remember the last time I went in one, but well, it's probably been like four years or something like that. But yeah, not a fan at mm. all. Yeah, I went to one when I was in the Marines, obviously, because that's what people did <laughs> on the, the weekend. Paid like £20 for a dance, and I couldn't have felt more awkward. I was like, there's this girl just like naked in front of me. And I was like, like, what am I meant to do here? Like, this isn't what I'm usually used to when someone's naked. I just get to sit here and like pretend that I don't have a boner. It just doesn't make sense. Anyway, Giles needed the wee there, so he rudely interrupted the recording of things, and I could just see him putting some more, what water, more in my drink into himself, so he's gonna do another wee, which is gonna completely ruin the whole thing. That's obviously a joke. Um, that wasn't some funny. people, <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, some people have asked some questions on the old Instagram. Um, Aiden said, "Is he your BF?" Um, Aiden's probably trying to say best friend because he's jealous. Or is he saying boyfriend? Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, Can you put that snippet on here when you first recorded it? What? I can't remember what you said. I said, hi, I'm Ed. And you said, oh, yeah, we won't go there. I said, hi, I'm Ed. And you said, hi, I'm Giles. And I go, together we are. And you said, gay. Yes. Um, let me just check and see that we're... Uh... Okay, we're recording properly. Um, another one. What's your favourite book cover? My favourite book cover? Yeah, like the outside of a book. God, bloody hell, that's a hard question. I'm trying to think. I'm thinking quite hard. Um, it's hard to even envision. Like, yeah, envision I can't remember any cover. of the book covers that I've read. Anyway, next question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, are there any popular books that you thought were shit, Giles? Um, Surrounded by Idiots. Yeah. I'm, I'm reading at the moment um, Skin in the Game by... What's that? You're reading in, one of his books at the moment. Him. Oh, yeah. Nassim Taleb. Taleb, yeah. is that how you pronounce the surname? You don't think that's very good, the Skin in the Game one? Yeah, I didn't really rate that. Or I'm trying to think of other popular books that I've read. I read The Great Gatsby and I was like, what was this? Why on earth have I just read that? I think it's just because these books were like revolutionary for their time. So they were like the best thing at that particular time. Whereas now, like there's people that are way better at writing, that are writing way better books. So it's like, why would you choose to drive a car that was made in 1910 when you could drive an Aston Martin that was made in 2021? I hear you. I feel as if now... Like, previously, I might have finished a book, you know, I'd start it, and I've, I'm like, oh, I've read 50 pages, tell you what, I've got to finish it now. Yeah. Whereas now, my attitude is a lot more, nah, I'm, I'm not going to carry on reading this anymore. Yeah, it's very strict and, like, kind of like I like I got school. that from you a bit as well. Like, if I don't like something, it's like watching a film. Yeah. Why would you carry on? Yeah, I'm just like, nah, turn this off. I remember once, I went to watch um, Guardians of the Galaxy on my own in the cinema, and I didn't like it halfway through, and I walked out. Really? And then um, I actually... it turned I rate out, the fact you went on your own. Yeah. Well, it was when I was in the Marines, so I had to go to Exeter oh, for see. an MRI. And the drivers were like, oh, do you want to make your own way back? And I was like, uh, yeah, obviously I do, because that means you pretty much can have the day off. Mm. Um, so I just did that. Oh, fair play. Um, what else is there on the question? I'll ask you a good question. What Go are you most looking forward to when lockdown finishes? Leaving the country. Yeah? Yeah. I think. Nice. Well, being able to go to Australia, like, that's where I want to go. 
Um, I don't really care for anything that's like locked up at the moment. Like I don't care about shopping. I don't really care about pubs. I don't really care about restaurants. I don't really care about festivals that much because I don't like who I would be at a festival. You can move that freely, by the way, Charles. That mic. Um, I don't really care about anything that's locked down. Like this, this lockdown for me is is all right. An ideal life. I kind of know what you mean, to be fair. But I'm looking forward to doing hot yoga. I would, yeah, I wouldn't mind a bit of hot yoga. I'll give you that. And rehearsing or going to gigs again. Yeah, are you gonna play in the band when this is done or? Um. Yeah, but I feel as if I'm taking a bit of a a step back from it, I think. Yeah. Um, just for the listeners' benefit, I've played in a, a band called Tundra Love for the last, I don't know, three years? I'd I'll say. put a link in the description if anyone wants to go and uh, have a listen to them, please. It's uh, a nice bit of like indie rock and roll, some fuzz. Um, don't listen to it if you're depressed, though. Why? Do you think it's depressing? <laughs> no, I'm maybe joking. It <laughs> maybe it is, to be fair. But... Um, I don't know, like we had a meet up because obviously we've not, well, we've rehearsed a little bit when the lockdown ended last summer, mm. but no gigs have happened since then. Um, yeah. I think we've we've got one booked for summer, but I'm kind of on the same like page as you. I feel like I've got, I've got a fair bit of money saved as well. Yeah. I just, I'd quite like to go traveling. Like my, my older brother lives in Oz. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know really. It's weird because, like, I, I I do sometimes wonder like what life is going to look out like post lockdown for a lot of people, and I think they're just going to return to the same old habits that weren't serving them before. Yeah, I'm, because I'm everyone's like not. the pubs are open, everything's going to be open. They're just going to have a booze booze full like fueled summer, yeah, and then when they realise that like normal life still is going to be pretty shit, like they're just going to be depressed, and that's going to be sad. Yeah, do you think lockdown was a, like a positive experience for you? For me, yeah, absolutely. I was going to say for me as well. Like it was it was quite refreshing to I feel like lockdown I was yeah. almost reborn like I got to mm. step away from my life was incredibly busy mm. I was I was rehearsing all the time playing gigs all the time I like having to drive up to like Manchester Liverpool and I don't know just working here there and everywhere yeah and it was just like right now I get to like have a break have a nice relax yeah and there's habits that I've picked up like meditating every day or you know like doing 10,000 steps pretty much every day yeah there's habits that I don't want to give up. Like mm. obviously, I don't have to go back in the office. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like lockdown's been a positive experience. Yeah, I think it's a subject a lot of people would dance around with that because, like, no experience or no like world event is wholly good or wholly bad. Like, there's going to be people that experience lockdown in a negative way, and there's going to be people that experience it in a positive way. Mm. And it's up to the individual to paint it in their own light. And other people would say, well, how can you say it was a good thing? Like, this person, like, lost their job or or this person's business shut down. It's like, yeah, for them, it was bad. For me, it was good. Yeah, That's it, what it, makes the world a good place because yeah. everybody has a different experience. Uh, there was obviously negative things about it. Mm. Like, nothing's, in, like, wholly good or wholly bad. Yeah. But I'd say overall, yeah, I don't know, it's a pretty positive experience. Mate, like, I can think of days when I felt, like, in a real sense of, like, existential angst against the government. Like, when I had to come home from Portugal because they were going to put Portugal on the list of two weeks quarantine, like, I was devastated. I was sat in the car with my mum, like, on the drive back, and she was saying to me, like, oh, yeah, well, it might go into lockdown. And I was like, like, I was crying to her about how I didn't see a way through this for, like, ever. Like, mm. I, I, that was the time where I probably most felt, like, I just didn't really see a point. Yeah, fair and like yeah. that was like that night. I remember like I was stood over there in my room and I was just like, 
Why were you stood over there? I, I, I don't know. I just come into the room and I just oh, right. thought, like, I was like, I thought I was a burden on, like, my family. And I've, I hadn't had feelings like that before. And, like, that, I would have said, was, like, the lowest I've ever been. Although it was short-lived low. What, the had, lowest you've ever been? The lowest I've ever been. Wow. Even though I had all these wholly positive things going on in my life. Like, mm. it, was, it was a great time for me. But, like, I felt so low because I couldn't see a way out of it. But fortunately, like I knew that words like burden are a warning sign of like, okay, like that's actually just a word, but that's quite a dangerous word to think. So how can we get away out of that? We being me, my ego, my consciousness, whatever. Like, Are you how... still having therapy around this time? Yeah, well? yeah. Nice. Um, and I just like, I caught that thought. I was very lucky to have caught that thought. But what like, do you think through like meditation, you were just able to like observe it rather than get lost in it? Yeah, and then I wrote it down, and I wrote down that sentence. I was like, "I am a burden," and I was like, "I just was like, is this true?" And I was like, "This is absolutely not true." Yeah, so you're definitely not a burden. Yeah, um, but it was it was scary because I know that those thoughts can lead to like a lot of like darker yeah, yeah, other thoughts. Absolutely, and absolutely. Like whether that was like that was around a time where I was like quite interested in like death as a concept not a thing that i'd want to explore because there's no coming back from exploring that mm. but like i was very interested in it and those were warning signs for me and i was like fuck like maybe i need but to in, do a little bit more i feel like some philosophers there were i'm pretty sure like within buddhism as a religion it's like you you need to meditate on death yeah the fact that like everyone you know it, this sounds very dark but like everyone you know and love eventually will die yeah and it's almost like getting away from that attachment and accepting it now mm. is going to help you when this eventually happens. Yeah, absolutely. That, um, oh, what is it called? I can't remember what it's called. But essentially, like, everything in life involves, like, suffering and essentially that you can't escape suffering. And everything is temporary. Like, everything that you love can be taken away from you. And everything you love will be taken away from you at some point. Whether that sound, means it's what just, are you trying to remember what book this is from? No, I'm just talking. Oh right, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is like everything will be taken away from you. Whether that's before you die or when mm. you die, that's all just taken away from you anyway, and you don't know what you're going to experience after that if you experience anything. Um, Here's a good question for you: mm -hmm. What's the best um, non-fiction book that you've read? whatever i don't know about ever but well this they say your top three or five in the last well i feel like you've only been reading for the last what like two years but some yeah. recently where you've been like yeah this was bloody great can i just do this year yeah well what, it was in two, 2021 yeah yeah 2021 because i've read like, like 23 or something like that i don't know oh, fair. um loving what is by byron katie was a like just a practical way of understanding how your thoughts can betray you and how you don't actually think what you think so it's basically like a four-step thing where you'd like basically say is the thought true that you've just had like so that thought i'm a burden is the thought true if i was in a like a solid frame of mind mm. pointing towards the burden i'd be like yes it is true next question how do you absolutely know it's true that's where you have to find evidence there's no evidence for that who would you be without the thought is the next question and like can you see any reasonable like reason to hold on to that thought and keep it in your life and you're like oh no and you're like okay well i guess it's not true and like it takes time but like when you do it they, she calls it the work mm. um and when you write it down like that's that's a great way of doing it the almanac of naval ravikant i think is just going to be something that i return to yeah often. it's full of like gems isn't it i mean i've i've 
skim read it before I actually dive into it, but it's going to be good. Um, and I would say this year, but I I finished it on New Year's Eve. But um, chasing the scream by Johan Hari. Nice. I just think that's such a, like a his style of journalism. It's thorough. He wrote Lost Connections as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. So he wrote Chasing <laughs> the Scream and then wrote Lost Connections. Oh, okay. Um, but Chasing the Scream, obviously, have you read it? No. What's it about? So it looks at like the prohibition in of in America of like alcohol and drugs. Um, okay. So like in the 1920s when they just basically made alcohol legal, mm. there were there was then a time where alcohol became legal, but they put a war on drugs like opioids, marijuana. Like is this like in the 60s? In or the 70s? papers, they were basically like saying in America. Like, oh, um, if you give a black man a joint, like, he'll be able to kill three men easily. Because, like, obviously it's racially driven because they're all, like, back then it was just, like, they're fucked in America. They're still pretty fucked now. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> like, just, like, those headlines are just so outrageous. And, mate... I feel like you... if you gave anyone a joint, they'd probably just get the giggles and be like, yeah. I'm quite hungry, actually. Like, Yeah, mate, I, can, I can't think of one time when I've smoked weed that I've, like, felt any bit of aggression or anger. Yeah, I was going to say... I'd be more like me if someone was aggressive towards me. I'd probably just feel a little bit more scared. Yeah, than I was anything. gonna say like you'd be like, "Oh, mate, I'm not enjoying this." Yeah, I want to go home. Have to do this. <laughs> yeah. I'll be asked. Um, but yeah, it's just a really good book. It looks at like Billie Holiday, like how she was like chased oh, nice. down by the government because she was a heroin addict, and they thought that she was like encouraging people to do heroin. Wow. And they basically set her up a few times and like planted drugs in her to like get her arrested. Um, got her management involved there's so many like different layers to the story um, and it basically just saying that the legalization of drugs will be a good thing because the fact that it's legal causes so many issues around the world like Wait, the fact um, that it's illegal sorry yeah yeah so, like, yeah definitely like cartels and stuff that only there because it's illegal if it was legal yeah I'm, be controlled I'm, um i'm sure that there's another book that talks about this maybe it's even utopia for realists um, I think they, he touches on on drugs maybe a little bit in there. Although I I know um, the arguments like legalizing everything is just better for pretty much everyone involved. Really. Yeah, and we spoke about this the other day actually about that um guy in America who does heroin. Um, the university lecturer. Did oh. we speak about this the other day? Carl, someone. Carl, someone. His name's his basically is he's a university lecturer in America and he does heroin as like a recreational drug. And he's like, I to get to Jesus. choose this because I'm an adult. Um, in the 80s, there was a study done or like a trial done in Liverpool mm. where this doctor started like prescribing clean heroin to his um, clients who were coming in to like change their needles for clean needles. Um, before the start, like the trial started in the 18 months running up to it, each individual had a 6.6 like average crimes committed per person in that 18 months. Subsequent 18 months, once they were on this trial, was 0.44 crimes committed. Wow. when they were prescribed clean drugs because, mate, the stuff that's in heroin on the streets is like... Just filled with shit. It's filled yeah, with shit. I can like imagine. Cement. It's cut with... Yeah, yeah, like... Obviously, in America, it's fentanyl, which causes loads of danger. Like, that's what Demi Lovato... That's why she had three strokes, two heart attacks, and, like, died on a table because she had heroin that had a load of fentanyl in it. And she used to be a Disney actress. Yeah. Fair. Maybe I'll have to listen to that. That sounds quite it's interesting. A, it's a really, really good podcast, and I think for someone who was like a Disney star just to be so like open and honest and she was like really vulnerable like speaking about like eating disorders and stuff like that that's nice um, that's brave yeah that's what I thought I thought like fair play to her and also she's a blue belt in jiu jitsu so, so she's you love pretty her. cool yeah fair play mate <laughs> 
What? Uh, who's your favorite podcast? Or like, what podcasts are you a big fan of? I like comedy podcasts. Really? Like Fighter and the Kid and King and the Sting. It's Brendan Sharp. Do you think you listen to podcasts daily? Uh, nah, not anymore. Oh, nice. I think like I, it's very weird because I read so much and I'll like maybe listen to stuff when I'm going places. Like I'm kind of learning all the time. And there's, mm. the, that's why I listen to comedy podcasts. I like to just switch off. Yeah, definitely. Um, at times. What do you listen to, Giles? Dickhead. I'd say Sam Sam when you say dickhead. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, mate. I'd say Sam Harris is definitely my favourite. Mm. Uh, I quite like Tim Ferriss's as well. Um I feel like I de- the thing is I don't really listen to them to like switch off. Like no. I feel like I'm listening to them when I'm doing long drives, if I'm like working out or like going for a walk. That's yeah. pretty much or sometimes when I'm working, if I'm doing work, which is just like I don't know, robotic almost, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I know um, what you mean. But yeah, I'd say probably definitely Sam Harris's, but quite like Joe Rogan's. I've listened to a bit of Stephen Bartlett's as well. Oh, The Happy Sexy Millionaire. I've got the book. Have you started reading it? No, nah, not yet. I don't oh. know if I'll read that. Maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. I literally, I bought it because he said that there was a, basically you get like a chance that there's a number in the book that he would mentor you for a year. And okay. I was like, I'll take the risk. It's only 10 quid. I'll probably read it anyway. I don't. Um, the thing is, I'm I'm a bit skeptical about whether he actually would. Because can you remember when I like won that? Um, he was like, "Oh, post it." I can't remember what it was called. It was like upload a video of like an idea you have, and I'll let people vote on it. And if it gets over eighty percent, like you can have a meeting with me, and I'll mentor you. And that's what I did, and it got over eighty percent. Um, and I was messaging him, and he wasn't replying. Um. I can't, I can't remember how this happened. I got hold of his PA through someone else that won and I was talking to her. She was like, oh yeah, he won't be... Ever. Uh, to be fair, maybe my expectations of him were a bit too high. Hmm. Um, although he did say that he'd do this. Well, um, you should you should get in contact again with him. I'm not, to be honest, mate, I'm not really that fast. Like, this was years ago. Years ago. Yeah. And what, go on. No, you go. I was going to say, um, we'll wrap it up in a moment, but I just want to talk to you about your favourite non-fiction books from the last year. I've actually read quite a few this calendar year. Like, I've read mm. um, some of Ryan Holiday's work, like Ego is the Enemy, Obstacles the Way. Yeah. I enjoyed both of them. I read, um, I think, like, every non-fiction book I've read this year, well, apart from the Anthony DeMello one, and actually, that's a lie. I was going to there's loads that I've read this year, which aren't your recommendations. But, yeah. <laughs> um, I quite liked Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway by Susan Jeffers. I read that this year. That was yeah, really good. good. What was your main takeaway from it? That, like, if you're doing something which scares you, you're, like, making progress and it's a good thing. I just feel like, look at it like a... I don't know, like, comfort is... I don't know, is the enemy, really, isn't it? Yeah. But I think, like, that... You teeter on the edge of, like, being, like, a hustle addict if you're like, well, I love discomfort all the time. Like, sometimes it's nice to be... Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm not saying, like, every day I'm going to be in discomfort pushing myself, but it's doing, like, smaller things where you're like, oh, God, this is making me feel a bit nervous or, like, oh, God, I'm a bit scared of doing this. I'm like, this is exactly why I should do it. Yeah. Almost doing stuff, like, you know, when we jumped in the sea on Sunday morning, I was like, well, that's not really feeling the fear and doing it anyway, but I was like, oh, God, I don't want to do this. But yeah, I'm going to do it for that exact reason. But that that like cold exposure type of thing like that does contribute to your mindset in quite a big way. I think. I think when you can handle your brain and understand that like you, there's no actual danger to you, it's just your mind is telling that you need to get out of the water. 
and you manage to overcome that, I think there's only positive to come from that. Are we are we going to go in the sea later today? Well, I mean, we can do. It's weird, like, I, this is another question for you on the podcast, because I feel we've been going for about an hour and a half. I feel I feel like I started it with high energy, and now I'm feeling a bit lower energy. Are you kind of the same? I feel like I always keep quite, like, a constant monotone energy. To be fair, maybe it's because <laughs> I had a coffee. Yeah, maybe right you before. have a little caffeine dump. Yeah, now I'm just there like, yeah, I could do with a nice, you know, stroll, maybe a nice nap. <laughs> yeah, mate, you can have a nap. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have a nap. Um, I don't mind if we go in the sea or not, essentially, Giles. <laughs> yeah, fuck it, let's go in. We'll go in, we go yeah. in. Um, right, one more, please. One more what, book? Yeah, one more non-fiction book. Mm, I feel like I've spoken about The Rational Optimist. What, as in, actually, interestingly, right, so in my... Um, in my therapy session last night, because mm-hmm. we love therapy. 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 Um, I was saying to my therapist, I'm coming on this. Yeah. And she was like, oh, what books are you going to talk about? And I was like, do you know what? I don't actually know. She was like, oh, what what book? Well, I kind of asked her. I don't know how we came onto the conversation. Yeah. But she told me to read like when I first started. It's called Emotion-Focused Therapy. And there's a chapter in it called Emotions and Parenting by Leslie Greenberg. Okay. And I'd, I'd honestly say that's the most probably significant thing that I've read, which is nonfiction. Oh, what you read? So you just read the chapter? Yeah, so my therapist like... printed it out for me and was like, read this. Oh, okay. And it's quite interesting. It's a bit like, so you know when you're a kid, let's yeah. just say, for example, you go to an ice cream shop yeah. and they don't have the ice cream you want. You want chocolate, but all they've got is vanilla and mm. the kid starts crying. Like parents might be like, oh, come on, it's not too bad. You can have chocolate or like, I'll stop you moaning or fine, I won't give you anything. Yeah. Like for a kid who's three years old, that is like the end of the world. Yeah. Um, And it, I'll, I'll get to why I'm talking about this in a That's minute. Right. But so what you should actually say to the kid is like, oh, you know, you're feeling angry or you're feeling upset because they don't have the ice cream you want. And they'll be like, yeah. And you'll be like, oh, it's really frustrating when we can't have what we want, isn't it? And they'll be like, yeah. And it like calms them down. You'll be like, oh, I'm really sorry that you're going through this. Yeah. Because to a three-year-old, like this is the biggest deal in the world. Yeah. But it's basically talking about like how much of an impact this makes on you when you're an adult and when you're older. Mm. Because I feel like growing up, like as as I kind of mentioned, you know, I've I've, had, I've never had a father figure in my life, and I feel yeah. like with my mum, she's probably been a bit like, if something bad happens, she'll be like, oh, there, there, don't worry, it'll be okay. Yeah. When really, what you want someone to say, like, ah, oh, that sounds really. Like, you know, you fall over and you're crying. Not there, there, that'll be okay. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, yeah. I don't know what the emotion would be if yeah. you fall over when you're, you know. But Your knees fucking hurt, don't they, kid? No, yeah. you wouldn't say that. <laughs> but, like, you just validate the emotion or you, yeah. you almost name the emotion. And it teaches mm. the child not to dismiss their emotions. Yeah. Because I feel like I used to be very dismissive of my own emotion. I'd be like, mm. oh, this bad thing has happened. But I'd be like, yeah, but come on, mate. Like, worse things have happened to other people. Shut up. Get the fuck yeah. on with it. Whereas now, I'm a bit more, this thing's happened. I'll be like, my inner my inner voice when I'm not meditating is a bit, well, to be fair, my mind's well busy when I'm meditating anyway. But, yeah. Um, my is. inner voice is a lot more, oh, mate, that sounds really difficult. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no wonder you're embarrassed, mate. Like, this is embarrassing. Yeah. I don't know. It, for me, anyway, at the time of my life, I was just talking about it yesterday and I was like, yeah, do you know what? This was a real game changer. I don't know if your therapist mm. ever gave you stuff to read or like she, study. She told me to read The Compassionate Mind. Um, I haven't done it yet. It's in my cupboard on my... So you don't read any recommendations oh. from people, do you? 
I know I do, but what you've got to remember is I assume... <laughs> only, only from the expert. <laughs> yeah. Um, but mostly, like, we we just didn't really talk about books that much. Like, I would talk about ideas from books. You'd be like, oh, that sounds interesting. And, like, what does that make you think of? And I'm like, oh, my God, thanks, God, for asking. Yeah, fair. Uh, uh, yeah, me, we don't ever really talk about books in mine, but I feel like just yesterday I was saying, I'm coming on this podcast, yeah. and I'm talking about books. And she was like, oh, this chapter. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. That was life-changing. I feel like the idea of a compassionate mind, I think I already get it, even though I haven't even touched the book properly from when I like, unwrapped it. Like, I just, like, meeting anything with compassion is generally a good idea. Yeah, I feel like you, um, you never, ever know what someone's going through. I yeah. Like, just be nice. That's so true, Giles. How profound of you to say. How profound. <laughs> um, Giles, it's an hour and a half. You reckon we're done? I reckon we're done. What have you got to say for yourself? your first podcast thanks for having me on it's been a great experience You're i love welcome. you i'm proud of you thanks man Likewise. Um, thanks everyone for today <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i just want to say thanks for coming on giles i'm glad that you decided to come on and that we could have a nice vulnerable chat about maybe we can do things. this in a few years time yeah maybe, maybe we can make it a yearly thing i'll see you april maybe we could do it a daily thing a need to read but with more need. I think nah, um, I'd lose a lot of listeners <laughs> if, I, if I did that. And I obviously need the validation from people. Yeah, so, that's fair enough. Um, we'll just leave it as this. But thanks so much for coming on, mate. It's good to have a chat with a microphone in front of us. Well, thank you so much for listening to me and my friend have a little waffle there. That's an hour and a half of I don't even know what. So if you've taken something from it, then that's very good news. Um, yeah, I appreciate everyone that listens. It's been a wild year. I can't believe that I've been doing this for a year now. It's crazy. Um, you're all legends, though, as always. So thank you very much for your support. Thank you for listening. If you need therapy, go to betterhelp.com forward slash you need to read to get 10% off. If you like what I do and you want to become a supporter of my work, then head to patreon.com forward slash a need to read. Um, if you just want to buy me a coffee or anything, which, hey, you don't have to, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash a need to read. And from there, that's pretty much any ways that you can support me apart from just listening um and telling your friends about it and giving a review on apple Podcasts. there's loads of things you can do um but i appreciate whatever you do even if you're just a listener you're still a legend so take it easy love you bye